Welcome to the Pain-Free Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Mariah Heller, and if there's one thing I've learned after being a fitness and health professional and a chronic pain sufferer for over a decade, it's that every body is unique. On this show, I sit down with health and wellness experts in an effort to gather as many different perspectives, journeys, and philosophies as possible. Join me in cultivating a collective growth mindset and challenge yourself to take away just one key point from each episode that inspires you to think or behave differently. Have a pain-free day and enjoy this episode. What is going on, beautiful people? It is Mariah here from Pain-Free Fitness. And if you are new to the podcast, then I just kind of want to let you in on what the podcast is about. And so my goal as a fitness professional and with this podcast and my business is to help cultivate more of a collective growth mindset in the fitness and wellness industries. And I believe that one of the ways that we can do that is by having conversations with people who are really good at what they do and passionate and, you know, people that might come from different standpoints than I do or that each other do. And um, I just hope that you can take away, even if it's just one thing from each episode that you can take away and apply in your life or use to be a better trainer, coach, athlete, whatever it is, uh, I would consider that a success. And I am super excited about my guest today, um, Cassandra DeLynn. Uh, she is what I would say, like the, just the definition of a multi-hyphenate to just, you know, badass professional woman. And so not only is she a, uh, a mother and a fitness professional and a trainer and a yogi and a natural bodybuilder. She also by day is, uh, works in the, the human resources field and has an MBA and, um, just super, super cool and unique for this industry, especially. So I am so excited to chat with you, Cassandra, uh, and thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no, I'm so excited. And again, thank you for finding me and, and, and asking me, I'm thrilled to be here. Of course, of course. Now, it seems like, I mean, I know you've been in the industry for a long time. Um, I know that like me, you have kind of a, a separate, you have, I would say maybe two careers, right? So you have kind of the, the human resources stuff. And then we've also got the fitness stuff on the side. And same with me, I work in software during the day and then fitness is kind of my passion. So I'm curious just kind of about, you know, your personal story and what brought you to where you are today with your career. Wow, that's a great question. And I'm glad that you asked that because part of my passion and my mission in life is to help women understand that you don't have to make fitness your career in order to be passionate about it, in order to be good at it. And as a matter of fact, I credit my human resources career to my fitness. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I wouldn't have excelled as quickly and as with as much as my you know sanity as I have if it hadn't have been for fitness. So um, I, I really appreciate you asking that question. So I just don't think it gets talked about enough. I think part of what honestly intimidates women about getting heavy into fitness is that they only learn from women who it is their life. I mean, they are, they're trainers, they're coaches, or they're somehow um, generating you know, their, their, their livelihood from the business. And so we rationalize and we make sense of, well, it's easy for them because of this. And even though there's different challenges presented to women who are full-time in fitness, um, I think women, we do ourselves a disservice by um, seeing that and then throwing up walls and ex excuses in our minds as to why 
there's a difference there. So anyways, again, I, I really appreciate you asking that question. But um, so for me, I, you know, it's funny because I got into fitness because I discovered I was smart. So I, um, I had a horrible, I was having a horrible time in my career. I was, you know, kind of in human resources, but not really. I really hated my job. And I uh, knew I just needed to create options for myself. So I went and got my MBA. And that was the first thing I did as an adult that was intentional. You know what I mean? Like I got married, had kids. I guess that's intentional. But it was the first thing I put my mind to and said, I want to achieve this. And then I did it. And then I graduated with honors. And I literally walked that stage blown away. Like I couldn't believe I'd accomplished something. But it taught me that I could accomplish things that I could affect change in my life. And after that, when I realized, oh my God, I'm smart, I was, I was painfully aware of the lack of congruency between who I was on the inside and what I knew I was capable of accomplishing and what I saw. Mm. They were two different things. If you saw my MBA graduation picture, you see this big chubby face, you know, like it just, it, it, I, I looked in the mirror quite literally. I was like, that's not me. Yeah. That's not me. And having gone through a process like an MBA program showed me that I, I could finish something I could, I could do things. And so I did, um, I started getting into shape. Um, and then actually I got pregnant. So that kind of got put on hold for a little bit, but after I had my son, um, and he was about to turn one and I was struggling to, to lose the baby weight. Um, I stumbled into bodybuilding. Mm. I stumbled into bodybuilding and I fell in love there. And I, uh, it's really weird because I, I was seeing a physical transformation, no question, like no question. But I, I noticed everyone else was getting stuck there. It was like, I'm, I look great. And then, then that was the end of the conversation. I'm like, yeah, you look great. I look great. That's great. But do you notice everything else that's happening here? Do you notice how happy you are? Do you notice that you are making more money? Do you notice your relationship? Like, do you not, is no one seeing this? Mm. And, and, and I, I still don't have an answer to that, but I knew that I felt it and I saw it and all of the lessons I was learning in the gym translated to work. Um, and my career took off. That's all I can say is that my career took off and it's not because it's not because of the MBA. I did implement some of that stuff definitely, but over the course of the last 10 years to be steadily climbing in the way that I have, um, it's 100% because of the lessons I allowed to transfer from the gym and being healthy into my professional life. That's amazing. And I would say I actually had kind of a similar realization and I only did one competition and I don't know if I'd do it again, but it did teach me like, I can do this even when I really think I can't like on the days when I am just exhausted and I have a headache and I'm done with everything. I still had to go train and I still had to meal prep and everything. Um, and I think that was really helpful for me too, just in like every area of my life. Like, yeah, you can, you can probably give a little bit more. Is that kind of what you experienced as well? Absolutely. I mean, you, you begin to develop a really healthy relationship with discomfort because our mind will play tricks on us and tell us we can't, I don't want to No, stop, but you're capable of so much more. And you learn that in the gym and it's immediate. It, it is a sense of immediate, immediate gratification that we don't often get other places, especially at work. And so you can go into the gym exhausted and you know what it took to get you there, but you walk out 
45 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever later, and you're on top of the world. That's immediate gratification for that discipline you exercise. And so you develop a really healthy relationship with that initial discomfort. And you know that it's a moment that you will go through and come out on the other end. And that concept translates to everything. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I try to tell a lot of my, especially like my chronic pain clients, I'm like, just, just get through the warm up. And that's my rule for myself too, is, you know, if I'm really, if I'm just really feeling bad, I just try to go and get through the warm up. And about 10% of the time, I still feel that like, I'm just like, nope, this is not a good idea for my body today, but a good 90% of the time I'm like, all right, <laughs> I can do it. Yeah. And then you, you know? draw on that, right? Like you remember that the next day, like tomorrow morning, when you wake up with the same thoughts, you're like, oh, I just went through this. I'll be fine. You know, and you can get up and, and motivate yourself. But I remember very early on, I developed this saying, saying um, it's it, you're developing, you're building more than muscle. When you're in the gym, you are building more than muscle. You are building a strength of character and internal fortitude that nobody can take away from you. That muscle can disappear over time, but that internal strength and fortitude that you've developed can never be taken away. And again, I feel, I know that it has applied to every area of my life. The quality of my life in every area has gotten better because of the gym, but because I allowed it to, right? Because you also probably know people who go into the gym and only want it to be about the physical transformation. And it's about getting a flat ass or sorry, flat abs and a fat ass. Right. And so you can leave it there, but you can, you can do so much more with that experience if you allow it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would actually be curious because, well, how many, how many competitions have you done at this point? I don't know. Uh, a lot. <laughs> let's see. Um, I, that's my trophy case back there. Um, I don't know. I've competed several times a year for five years. Okay. Um, I would say I average two to three shows a year. So between, yeah, like 10 to 15 shows. So I would love to kind of hear about your personal approach because the part of competing other than, you know, that I, you know, I do have this autoimmune and connective tissue stuff that's going on. So it was tough on my body. I think it's tough on everyone's bodies for the most part, but aside from that, I think that the approach with competing that didn't really work as well for me is it's, it tends to be very outcome driven you know, you compete for, to be on stage that one day and you either do well that day or you don't. And I tend to coach almost the opposite of that. So I'm more, very much more process-based, very much, how are you feeling? Let's, you know, like you said, what's the holistic picture here? So I would be curious to know, like, have you experienced kind of that same thing or what have you taken away from your competing background? Yeah. So, to get through competing, I would say first and foremost, what I, well, actually the first thing I did was I didn't think about it. Mm. So I get very excitable. Like when something excites me, I'm excited and like cognitive thinking shuts down and I just, I'm pure emotion. I'm all heart. And so when I stumbled into bodybuilding, I was so in awe of the women. I didn't know women could look like that. I didn't have any frame of reference for body. I didn't know it was a thing. And so I was literally overcome. I didn't have a gym membership. I wasn't even working out at a gym when I got into body. My first two shows, I compete. I, I trained in my garage with some weights I bought from Walmart. Yeah. Um, but I say that to say that I, there was no cognitive thought. It was all emotion. I was going on pure emotion. And then when I found myself there, because I didn't know anything and I really wasn't thinking, I was just excited. I, I was able to truly trust my coach. 
And I think that's, you know, number one is that you cannot be your own coach. You have to surrender to the person that's going to help. And like, and when I mean surrender, I mean surrender, like whatever they say, do, do. Now, of course, that would require you to do some really good and proper vetting before deciding a coach so that you can surrender so wholly. But I surrendered to my coach. Um, mm-hmm coaches that I've had over time. And um, that's hard for people to do, even though you have, you know, people who've never competed before, you've got everyone in your ear telling you that you're doing too much of this or not enough of that. And you start listening and then you start questioning and doubting your coach. And that's a surefire way to have a terrible experience. So I would say that, but then also I did begin to notice um, year over year that I wasn't healthy. I looked good, but I wasn't healthy. And there's a huge difference between health and fitness that I didn't, the average person like me, I didn't know to begin with. When you look a certain way, I assume you're healthy, but I wasn't healthy. I wasn't like, I look back and I was like, I barely ate vegetables. You know, I drank tons of water, but like on a, on a bodybuilding diet, you're not eating a lot of vegetables. That's not a macro. (laughs) So it doesn't count. You know, like you're only paying attention to macros. And so I realized I wasn't healthy and I was willing I, I guess I can say I had to compromise. I, I did. I, I Once I became aware that I wasn't healthy, but I looked amazing and for the most part felt amazing. Um, I was like, okay, this is good for right now. This is what I know. This is what's working for me. This is all that I know. But when I got my pro card in 2016 and I stopped competing, I spent the next five years um, learning how to be healthy because I recognized there was such a dramatic difference um, between the two health and fitness. And so I've spent the last several years learning how to be healthy, which does not include a macro anywhere, you know, um, I'm not, yeah, there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. And so I I would say it's kind of, I'm not saying that everyone's going to be faced with making that kind of a choice, health or fitness. If you want to be a bodybuilder, there's lots of vegan, um, vegetarian, healthy bodybuilders out there. I didn't know that at the time. I didn't go down that path. Um, so you, you don't have to make that trade-off. I, I want to make that clear, but that was the trade-off I, I made, I became aware of, and then, um, have since spent, you know, my, all of my energy trying to discover how to maintain the look of a bodybuilder for the most part to the, you know, degree that I want, but also be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really beautiful way to put it because I think we're so conditioned and I, I think this has gotten probably worse with social media, but we are so conditioned to believe that performance equals health. And oftentimes training for any kind of performance, like you said, it absolutely is kind of the opposite direction from what's going to make me the most healthy. And there's a spectrum, of course, you know, maybe someone comes from a much more extreme lifestyle. And so competing is actually relatively more healthy for them. But I know for me, something that I was not expecting was how difficult post-show trying to reintegrate myself back into normal life when I was completely, I was on such a restrictive diet. I was hurting so much, you know, like that was surprisingly challenging for me. And people don't really talk much about that. No, they really don't. And I remember being similarly surprised, but that's what I would say. Part of what goes into the vetting for a coach is talking about what we call rolling off the show, you know, and, and having a reverse, um, reversing your diet and your exercising, you know, you go from doing fasted cardio, you know, several times a week, right up into your show 
to the show day, you need to, you don't just stop doing, you know, fasted cardio, you reverse that, you get your body acclimated to slowing down so that you don't blow up, which is what happens to a lot of people. But to your point about the extremes, what I I, I found also in bodybuilding was um, a lot of women found comfort in bodybuilding, having come from the extreme of eating disorders. Women who were like, okay, that's clearly not working for me. Let me learn something. Let me have some order, some guidance, some direction, some measurement, something that I can still kind of control and have this, um, you know, um, agency over, but obviously um, still look and feel great, I guess. And um, it, it ended up being a safe haven for a lot as nice transition space for a lot of women. So I just wanted to throw that out there also that it, it can be um, really, really healing um, for people who've come from eating disorders. Absolutely. Yeah. I heard, I heard a lot of those stories as well, which I thought was awesome, you know, cause I think, um, at least in my experience, kind of coming from a, an eating disordered past, usually those habits manifest somehow, <laughs> even if they're not in active, you know, eating disorder mode at the time, there's like something else that it kind of morphs into, And so I think it's really cool if people can take that energy and say, I'm going to channel this into something that I feel is positive and that makes me feel accomplished. Yeah. I mean, you see a woman who's gone from being very thin and unhealthy and skeletal to having really beautiful, healthy muscle. And she's, you can, you can see it's not just a physical transformation for that woman. It, It really is like an entire human, like soul transformation. It's a really beautiful thing. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure people know, you know, there is, um, it really is a safe space for a lot of women as well. So what would you say, you know, after you moved from having your, your main or kind of main priority or main goal be look good on stage, what would you say is kind of the predominant goal for you in your fitness now? Is it more mental health? Is it metabolic flexibility? Like, what would you say? Yeah, I would say first, it's not fitness at all. My focus is health. I, I, I'm very proud of, and I talk very passionately about the relationship I have with my body. And I'm 100% here to engage in a relationship with my body. And that is what that it it drives definitely my health world, but just life in general, again, lessons that translate to other areas of your life. If you let it, especially as it pertains to mental and emotional health, because we experience mental emotional health through a body that many women don't know anything about our feelings and our emotions or energy and emotions, there's these sensations and these, this currency and this energy going through our body that we're, it's, we're for, it was unfamiliar to us, it's foreign to us. And so having a relationship with my body to be able to pick up on little sensations and little things, little thoughts, this, it, it, it requires knowing it. So my, my primary focus, hands down, beyond a shadow of a doubt, and what I help other women learn how to do is to get into relationship with their body through nutrition, exercise, and mindset. That's all there is for me. I love that kind of nourishing, nourishing the whole person as opposed to just let's, let's put on two pounds of muscle or whatever it is. Yeah, no, because I mean, it really, so I I can't treat my body as anything other than the miracle that it is. Like I just, I I've gotten to a space where it's a, it's a holy vessel, (laughs) you know, like I fully believe that we are spirits that just so happen to have a body as opposed to a body that just so happens to have a spirit and, and, and in understanding what this body is here and why I have it, I, I can't treat it 
um, as this secondhand, you know, thing. I, 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 it just, I, I live with it. I, I literally, and, you know, and, and figuratively speaking. And so taking care of it and, um, knowing it, um, is, is really, really important to me. And so I make sure that with everything I do, I'm in real good communication with my body, you know, and again, that translates to work, all of those you know, um, I'm really into um, embodied cognition right now, which is the study of um, the body being a brain. You know, we talk a lot about gut feelings and gut instinct. That's not woo woo in the air, you know, kind of ideas. It's a real thing. There's a real science behind this. Our body is this amazing instrument that's constantly taking in data and information and processing it. And we have an opportunity to live, or I'm sorry, to learn and make decisions with that information if we have a relationship with our body. And so in understanding, and I think this is what helped me do so well in my professional career is because my body is a learning device and a tool and it's taking in all this information. So when it comes time for me to make decisions, it's not just up here, it is a whole body yes or a whole body no. And I pay attention to that and it better steers me towards making decisions that are appropriate for the moment. And so. yeah, being, I'm sorry, I forgot what the original question was, but like being in relationship, yeah, with, with my body has been um, the guiding light for every aspect of my life. I really love that. And it's, it's very refreshing to hear because I think maybe we're entering a stage where we're going back to that a little bit now. And I'll ask you a couple of questions about yoga next, because I do feel like that's helping, like just like the popularization of yoga. But there, there is so much that we ignore <laughs> in our physical bodies, you know, and even, you know, in our mental states. And a lot of the time, I think it takes something really serious happening before people will get into it. You know, when I was starting pain-free fitness, I remember my first business coach said like, you know, you can't market to people who aren't in pain yet because people will only come to you when they're already kind of at a point of no return. And I was like, that's sad, but it it's, I have found it to be true. You know, we need our bodies to kind of yell at us in order for us to listen. Um, and you know, I, I also think we walk around in such a state of anxiety and fear all the time that sometimes it can be hard to even interpret if our body's giving us a warning sign, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I would love to hear, I, I am always working on this, but something that I have loved for this is yoga because it's like, it forces you to meditate without, you know, I'm not the best at meditating. I'm working on it, but it forces you to do that and be in tune and be present and move at the same time. So talk to me a little bit about how your yoga experiences helped you with that. So I'm going to talk a lot. I'm just warning you in advance because (laughs) I'm excited about this subject, but before yoga, I just wanted to touch on what you were saying about how sometimes we are so We've got so much anxiety that we can't even pay attention. And that is the number one thing I think I, if people understood how good the body is meant to feel, like what it is intended to feel like, but we don't often get a chance to experience contrast. We are very much, many people are born into discomfort and then we grow accustomed and we grow comfortable with our discomfort, a different kind of discomfort that I mentioned earlier with the gym. 
I'm talking about discomfort of there's women who never, I, I know this is an uncomfortable subject for some people, but there's women who never poop, right? There's women who constantly have a headache. There's women who are people who deal with chronic discomfort. And in the absence or, and because of that, when you do have real depression running through your body or anxiety or even good feelings, they're hard to register because your body has never experienced contrast. Like there's nothing there to say, hey, this is a different sensation going through. It's just more discomfort on top of discomfort. And so, you know, one of the things that I, I really implore people to try to do is, is, is give yourself a real honest chance, at least, at least 90 days, but preferably six months to a year of doing the healthy thing and experiencing the contrast, then make a decision on whether or not it's too much, you know, going to the gym three to five days a week, or if it's too much to eat kale, or if it's too much to drink, decide after you've experienced life, you know, uh, healthy and not healthy, but that contrast is everything because Again, most people are just comfortably living in their discomfort and have no idea what they're missing out on and uh, the sensations in the in the relationship they could have with their body. So I wanted to mention that. But as far as yoga is concerned, oh, my goodness. So yoga, I always say um, bodybuilding changed my life, but yoga brought me back to life. Mm. It brought me back to life. I'm getting chills just, you know, talking about it because um I got into yoga because of bodybuilding. I was, I was your typical meathead, I guess. Like I just wasn't, again, not thinking I was bodybuilding. I was lifting. I felt like, oh my God, I'm doing something. And I felt great doing it. But then I wasn't taking care of the muscle I was developing. And I felt like injury was imminent. I was brittle and I was hard. I was that person walking around with no mobility and no flexibility. And I didn't, I didn't foam roll. Like I didn't do anything. And so um, yeah, my fascia was mad at me and I could feel that. And so I, I, I stumbled into, I found yoga. I almost didn't do yoga because I didn't know, this sounds crazy, but I didn't know black women or black people did yoga. Not because we couldn't, but just because I didn't see us. I was just like, do we do this? You know, as crazy as that might sound. Um, but my, my body was aching so much. I was like, I'm, I'm going to do this regardless if we do it or not. And of course I stumbled onto a huge, very supportive black yoga community. But um, yeah, I got into it and I literally felt, again, kind of like bodybuilding. Everyone's, you know, marveling over the flexibility and what their body can do. They're, they're marveling over the physical aspects. But I'm like, yo, do you not experience, do you not, like, are you not talking to God like I'm talking to God? Do you not, you know, feel like your entire insides light up? Like, I, did, I couldn't understand how people weren't experiencing or at least talking about the, the, the other intangibles, I guess, that you get from yoga. Um, because when I, when I do yoga and it was very early on, it went from being a flexibility, mobility exercise to being mental and emotional health to spiritual connection very quickly for me, very, very quickly for me. Um, and it, it, so like even, you know, current day, I'll, I'll go to the gym and I'll, I'll lift and I'll stretch usually, um, I'll do some static stretching after I hit the gym, but I still go most evenings to, to a different studio to do yoga, not because my body needs it or because I'm doing yoga for the sake I'm, 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 it's moving meditation. It is my mental health time. It is my reflection. It is my journaling. It's my, my, you know, my body's way of processing the same way your mind processes when you journal, my body is processing when I do yoga. And so it has nothing really anymore to do with the physical for me. It is absolutely, um, uh, uh, it has strengthened, 
Absolutely. It has strengthened and fortified the relationship that I talk about so passionately about having with my body. Um, because you cannot successfully do yoga without entering into that relationship. You can stretch. It's a lot of great, super flexible stretchers. That's what um, that's what contortionism is, right? Like if anything, like this is, and and some contortionists get spiritual with it, but I mean, being super duper flexible is contortionism. That's not yoga. Yoga is a relationship between you and you. Um, it is a relationship between you and you. And so um, entering into that practice, literally it, 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 it brought me back to life. Some of the, I, I suffer from seasonal depression. I've, I've had, you know, bouts of depression over time, still struggle with anxiety from time to time. Um, but again, it goes back to that contrast I mentioned when you're in yoga and you're able to connect and you know what connection feels like, you then are clear about what disconnect feels like. And depression is disconnect. Anxiety is disconnect. All of those isms and schisms and everything that I've, I've, I've lived with and suffered with over this time, those are all disconnects. But I only can really appreciate that because of the connection I do have when I enter into yoga and other mindfulness practices. And so that, again, that contrast is everything. And unless you give yourself permission to slow down long enough and to enjoy yourself, you'll, you'll never fully be aware of how like riled up you are and how much, you know, um, negativity or just low frequency emotions are running through your body. Because again, you're just, it's your norm. It's your norm. Having that time, that contrast is so important. And sometimes um, I'll only practice for 15 minutes. Sometimes that's all I've got. Or sometimes whether it's a time constraint or just energetically, that's all I have to give. Sometimes it's just 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be a whole hour and a half class, you know? Um, and, and yeah, so I just, I, 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 yoga, it needs to be like taught in schools. <laughs> it needs to be a part of some sort of standard curriculum because you don't learn how to connect with yourself. And I think if we, as a people, were just more connected with ourselves, so many of the challenges that we that we entertain and that we fuel externally would go away because we have a better sense of self. I think we're constantly chasing things because we don't know who we are. We're not connected to ourselves. So we can get caught up in all of the BS online and trying to define ourselves and prove ourselves because you don't have this. And so, yeah, um, I'll, I'll pause there, you know, like, but yeah, having that connection with yourself, I think is, it's life-changing. It's life-changing. Yes. Yes. And I, I totally agree. And I think people can see it from the outside. And I had, um, I had a a pretty well-known Pilates teacher on the podcast a while back and it was almost like a similar thing, but it's like people see yoga from the outside and they, they do think, well, I'm not flexible, so I can't do it. You know, it's almost like when, when you get a client that's like, yeah, I would love to train with you, but I want to get in shape first, (laughs) things like that. But I think something that I was surprised that it taught me is that, um, you know, I have a chronic pain disorder. I have Ehlers-Danlos and something that I can do with, like, I can get into all of the strange flexi positions in yoga that I want to, but it usually does some damage. Mm. And what I love about yoga is it's like, this is how this is supposed to feel 
physically and emotionally in your body. And if you are feeling that way, but looking this way, no matter how good you look, that's not what we're going for. And I think that's a really important thing to, to have in our lives, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And they tell you, you know, in yoga, don't look to the left, don't look to the right. It's not about what these other people are doing and what they look like. It's about you and your, you enjoying yourself in this moment and what you have to give in this moment. And I think that's another thing. is that yoga taught me patience, maybe is the word, or yeah. Yeah. I I just know that I have been like most women, feeling like this the shoulds, right? Like I've shoulded myself about a myriad of different things. And in yoga, you learn no matter how amazing you feel, you can get on that mat and you don't have it that day. <laughs> or you cannot think you have it and get on the mat and you have all sorts of energy. And you learn, I learned how to respect where I'm at and and be okay with that and find peace with whatever it was I had to give. And again, that lesson translated to other areas of my life, as opposed to shooting and trying to drive forward or just give up. I just accepted, I was able to just better accept wherever I was at that given moment. And that's a beautiful thing for for women today, because we don't do that a lot for ourselves. Not a lot at all. Yeah. Even just taking that hour to kind of be in your body and notice how that feels and everything. No, I think that's, that's awesome. Um, I have kind of a burning question to ask you, which is a little bit of a, a pivot, but you've now been in the fitness industry for a long time. You've also been in kind of the business world outside of fitness for a long time. Yeah. I am curious from a business perspective, do you notice any parallels either like good or bad with the fitness industry and the human resources industry or just like business in general? Parallels in terms of like um, the industries? Yeah. Or like, you know, maybe obstacles that you run into in both industries or things like that. Cause I have my own kind of mm-hmm. thoughts on that, but I would be curious if, if you experience any, any parallels there. Well, I would say, yes, Um, people. (laughs) So I got out of personal training because I felt like I was working harder than my clients, (laughs) you know, and as a trainer, I mean, I don't think you can be a good trainer and be totally detached. I mean, you care, you care, you're rooting for them. Um, And, and like I said, I don't think I feel. And so I would, you know, get, um, yeah, I just, so anyways, I quit training because I, I, I felt like I was putting in as much, if not more work than my clients and they would go off and do something to blow the results. And it was frustrating for me. Yeah. Um, and I equated that at first to believing that it's because this is, you know, the diet is, is health and fitness. It's different, right? It's different. But Um, I, as I moved up in corporate and I began to, um, develop a team and have a team that was reporting to me, I found that there is very similar lack of what I learned is that people will try and get away (laughs) with as much as they can. Um, no matter, like it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a matter of the circumstances. It's not because like I thought in training, oh, this is training. This is different. Even when your paycheck and therefore your livelihood is on the line. There's this human behavior um, that I don't think I, I recognized at first. 
Um, I know I didn't recognize at first. That surprised me. I thought getting into leadership and having a team, there's going to be super motivated people who were going to be ready to, to do the work, whatever the work was, to get the job done. And that's just not the case. People are people, I've learned. Um, so that comes to mind. That's a good question. Yeah. I'm going to have to sit with that one a little bit more and see what else comes up. But um, no, like, yeah, that's what comes to mind. That's, that's a really good observation. Do you happen to know like your, your disc, uh, like leadership style or anything like that? Like, have you taken no. any leadership? I don't know the disc. I don't okay. know this. Yeah. So I feel very similarly to how, to how you feel. And I, I am wondering if we'd be kind of similar on that. It's, um, it measures like, it's like dominance, um, influence, steadiness and conscientiousness, I think. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's a cool assessment. Like you get this really long report, but one of the pages tells you like basically how people should interact with you Uh, (laughs) in a professional setting. Yeah. And for me, one of my biggest things is that I get very offended when people don't follow through because I always follow through and it's really (laughs) important to me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I experience the exact same, the exact same thing in fitness with my clients. I still do. I've gotten better about it, but yeah, in the professional world as well. It, it almost personally offends me when people don't kind of hold up their end of the bargain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's very frustrating. But I will say, you know, I've, 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 I don't think I'll ever go back to personal training like I used to. Um, but what I will tell you is that both of the industries, both being in leadership and corporate, as well as being in the fitness industry, has taught me a lot about myself and about leadership and about people. And to your point about how people, how I best work with people, uh, um, what them working with me, and then how I need to adapt to work with people, you know, personal training, I, you know, was doing that, God, consistently, like, oh, no, consistently, seven or eight years ago was when I was really into like, um, personal training. And I was a different person then though, you know, like, and, and so to, I, I think about if I were to do that today, I probably would have a little less still frustrated, but I would be able to, I probably just went up and quit. Like I did, like I I've grown because of that. And then later the leadership experience. And so now I've evolved more as a person and understand a lot of that frustration is because of how I show up to a given situation, right? Like I want to be mad or frustrated with the person who's looking at me, but it, it's really about how I show up and then how I choose to interpret any set of circumstances. And, and so, you know, I would say both industries have definitely taught me that it's, it's, it's really about, both of them are very much about personal growth. Your professional trajectory and your fitness trajectory are 100% about you and your personal growth or how much you're willing to grow, I should say, because it doesn't have to happen. A lot of people skip out on the benefit of the personal growth in both aspects. So yeah, there's definitely a parallel in how much you're willing to let it penetrate and then change you. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that is such an interesting parallel. That's really, really good point. I love that. So kind of before we get into the last set of questions that I have for you, um, 
I would be curious because I know you have some stuff coming up and I think your approach, especially with like the new year happening and all of that, I think is going to be so helpful to so many people, especially women and especially women right now. We're all, I think, kind of like what is happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have anything kind of coming up that, you know, that people can attend or sign up for? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And thank you for asking, you know, for years, I have operated as myself, as Cassandra Delenn, and only recently have I decided to kind of step outside myself and formalize my formalize my, my offerings. And so I've recently founded a company called Oriara, and I'm holding a webinar this upcoming Wednesday, um, December 1st, I think it is, yeah, December 1st at 12 o'clock Pacific time. Um, with that and a few other things coming up between, you know, the end of the year and the beginning of the year, but all of them with the goal of helping women evolve. One of my favorite, I guess, kind of sayings or, or personal values is that I'm unapologetic in my evolution. And I really want to help women discover that for themselves as well. So you can learn a little bit more about that um, at the upcoming webinar. And all you've got to do is visit oriara.com, O-R-I-A-R-A. That's awesome. That sounds like it'll be so useful to so many people. I will link that up in the show notes, by the way, guys, if you're listening. So you can just click directly on that. Um, I have so many other things that I want to ask you about, but we have already taken up a lot of your time. So I'm going to go into kind of our, uh, our rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Absolutely. Go ahead. Fire away. Okay, so the the first one is, what do you feel is currently the biggest common misconception or lie in, let's go with the, like in the fitness and wellness industry? The biggest misconception or lie is that, that, that health is fitness and that, that, that there's no distinction there, that all these people that we see walking around with super tight bodies are happy or healthy. It's absolutely not the case. Absolutely not the case. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. You'd be surprised at how many of those people like have no energy and like no sex drive, like nothing that like makes you feel happy or alive. Like, yeah, yeah I love it. Um, what is the best advice you ever received regarding your wellness, fitness, or your health? Ooh, um, hmm. The best advice I received was probably in yoga, which was um, kind of what we touched on earlier about um, being okay with where you're at, being okay with where you're, where you're at. And actually, I'll add to that and say, uh, in the bodybuilding world, it was also, um, you can be a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I find there's similarities there where it's, you know, being you're okay. You know, like wherever you are is okay. You can desire more and you can strive for more, but you are fine exactly as you are with exactly where you're at. Hmm. I love that. It's a beautiful balance because they're not mutually exclusive, right? Mm. It's like you can, you can want more progress, but also recognize that like you've come a really long way and you're happy. I love that. What is something that you used to preach that you no longer advocate for? Oh, Lord. Uh, how much time do we have? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is such a great question. I'm glad that you asked that question because one of the things kind of like I was talking about with the permission to evolve is that you're supposed to pivot and change when you become when you come in receipt of new information. So I have been I've, I've been on the no carb thing. I've been on the just drink the shakes and the teas and the bars thing. 
I've, um, I never supported waist trainers. I am happy to say, but, um, you know, I mean, I could go on, um, so many things. Um, yeah, that you, uh, the protein protein, that, that protein is everything. I think we overconsume protein. I mean, God, there's so many things. There's so many things, but, um, yeah, that's, I, I've changed so, my mind. that's like, that's so good that you're able to change your opinion on things though, because I have said so many times, especially when I'm like mentoring a new coach, I'm like, this industry is too new for us to know anything for sure. And so you better be prepared to like replace a pretty good amount of your knowledge base every few years. (laughs) Otherwise you're going to be living way back there. (laughs) Well, I remember, I would say probably the biggest one is is the the typical one where I was one of those cardio buddies. I thought cardio was the only way to to look great and and get in shape. I I preached that. That's what I thought it was until I discovered you know, bodybuilding. I was like, well, this is way better. So yeah, I, I would say if, if, if there's any coaches or, or even just practitioners listening, you have to be prepared to divorce everything, you know, at any given moment, when you come in receipt of new information, it is not you backtracking. It is not you not knowing what you're doing. Don't let imposter syndrome, you know, infiltrate and think, oh, I don't know. No, this means that you're, you're wise and that you're evolving and you're changing. And it's the best possible thing you can do. Give yourself permission to change your mind, the drop of a hat. A hundred percent. That's actually one of the ways that I can tell someone is inexperienced in fitness mm-hmm. is when they're very, this is what I believe. This is the truth. I read this on a blog, you know, like, like that type of a thing. So, yeah. Yeah. That dogma. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Last question is, do you have a favorite quote? And if so, what is it and why? Mm, yeah. Um, for years, for as long as I can remember that, which is not kill you only makes you stronger. Um, and because I, life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. And every day that I get to wake up to experience it again, um, I'm, I'm appreciative of that. And you are stronger. You are wiser. You, you, you are, whether you feel that or not, um, you are. And so if you, if you, again, if that was just not kill you, if you aren't taken out by something, you have a beautiful opportunity to try again. And it is, it feeds my eternal optimism. You know, that's who I am at heart is an eternal optimist. And that quote kind of captures that beautifully, <laughs> excuse me. And it, it's just, it's been very representative of, of my life. And it, and it, 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 it's motivating and encouraging to continue to try because as long as it doesn't kill me, I'm going to be fine. You know, like I'm going to be fine. So why not try it? Like, yeah, be afraid and, and do it anyways. You know, it's not going to kill you. And maybe you'll have a dope story to tell at the end. So right. yeah, that yeah. is not, that which does not kill you only makes you stronger. And I, I love that. And I think something that is important to highlight that I heard you say is it's also, there's a lot of choice in making it that way too, right? Because I think people can also choose to let challenging experiences or failures or whatever it is really kind of drag them down bit by bit. Um, and you've chosen to go the opposite way. And that's, it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mindset is, is powerful. You do get to choose. Yeah. 
I love it. Well, that is the perfect way, I think, to to end the episode. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was awesome. I could talk to you for probably two days straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but thank you again for coming on. And um, I just, I really appreciate you. Yeah, no, this was great. And and thank you to you and, and your listeners. And um, I'm wishing you all the best. I'm I'm rooting for you. Thank you so much. And likewise. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much. If you are listening, have a pain-free day and we will link up all of Cassandra's uh, links and webinars and courses in the show notes. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today. I'd really appreciate it if you could like, subscribe, and leave a review on the podcast so that more people can hear us in the future. Have a pain-free day.